Hi, good morning, everybody. My name's Lois. I'm one of the leaders at Oxford Community Church. Really, really great to be with you this morning to be gathered. And just want to add my own welcome as well. If you're joining us online and you have uh, never been to the physical Oxford Community Church before, we meet in Osney Island. Um, so anyway, hopefully at some point in the near future, we'll be able to meet you in person, but a huge warm welcome. Um, as you can see, I'm continuing Steve's tradition of positioning myself in front of a bookcase so that you can know that I'm just incredibly trustworthy and well read. And it's probably just as well that you can't see the rest of my living room, which has not been tidied or cleaned for about seven weeks now. So there's something about lockdown living that uh, definitely does not lend itself to housework. Anyway, we've started a new series just last week on Paul's letter to the Philippians. Steve, Steve started us off last week uh, with an overview of the whole letter. But I'm going to talk about uh, from chapter one, verse one to 11, uh, right at the start. And I'm going to focus on the affection of God. My title is Pursuing God, but I'm particularly going to focus on the fact that our God, the God that we're pursuing, is an affectionate God. Um, so just to give you a chance, if you haven't got Bibles with you to run and get one, I'm going to waffle for about 20 seconds. So go and get it. Go upstairs or downstairs. Go and get it. Um, what do I mean by pursue exactly? Our series is called Pursuing God as well. And what we don't mean is that we're chasing after somebody who doesn't want to be found. Um, because we know from the Bible that God pursues us. It says he first loved us. So what we mean really when we say we're pursuing God is that we're pursuing him right back again. Um, that's the whole point of love, isn't it? Two parties mutually pursuing each other. So let's read this passage together and find out more about how we can pursue God and particularly the God who is an affectionate God. Chapter one, verse one. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So that's our passage for this morning. And let's just firstly look at what Paul is actually saying here. Firstly, in verses three to eight, Paul is encouraging the Philippians uh, by expressing just how valuable they are, just how valuable they are to him and to God. He says, I thank God every time I remember you. What a beautiful thing to say. He says, every time I think of you, I express my gratitude to the one who made you. It's an incredibly intimate thing to say. 
And then in the next verse, he his language goes a bit extra. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Not just some of my prayers, not just some of you, and not just some of the time. All my prayers for all of you, always in joy. And that's just incredibly affectionate language. It really struck me when I first read this passage. Paul really loves the Philippians. And the key to that is in verse eight, where he says, look at it with me, because it's a great verse to remember. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. With the affection of Christ Jesus. That's God's own affection. So in other words, Paul has so absorbed or received the affection of God that he longs for the Philippians just as God longs for us. I don't know if you have ever thought about the idea that God longs for you, but that's what this passage suggests. So with this heart of love and affection, Paul has written this letter to the Philippians to encourage them, to tell them how valuable they are and how loved they are. And then secondly, in verse nine, have insight. So he wants them to receive more love. And that suggests when you pray to receive more of something, that suggests that you've only experienced a partial amount so far. That's why we want to be pursuing God, because we know that there is always more to experience. And then lastly, from verse 10 to 11, um, it begins so that. So he prays that they'll receive this gift of love for a reason. There's a purpose. And there's a few things listed here. Discernment, being able to make good decisions, purity, blamelessness, righteousness, and all for God's glory. And all of those things come up again later on in the letter. So I'm not going to focus on those today. I'm going to focus instead on this, the first couple of parts about this affection and this love that he's praying that they'll receive. I believe those two things are linked. So firstly, what do we mean by affection? Um, we may not use the word very often um, to describe God, but the Bible tells us that God is an affectionate God. So in Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse seven, it says this of the Israelites. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it was because the Lord loved you. This phrase set, your, set his affection on you. Right at the beginning, God set his affection on the Israelites. And what does that mean exactly? And the Hebrew word that's used here has a couple of different meanings. One of them is attachment, uh, strong attachment. And we know that attachment is really important, don't we? If you think about attachment between a parent and a child, if a parent is not affectionate to their baby as soon as they're born and for the next couple of years, um, then you know that something can seriously go wrong with our development, can't it? It's, it's really crucial. And this passage implies that God chose to attach himself to us. And an attachment with God is good development for us. And the second thing as well is that this word contains this idea of longing, which is what Paul draws upon, this idea of longing for the Philippians. So in Philippians, the, the word in the Greek, so obviously we've got the Hebrew and the Greek, the Deuteronomy affection and then the Philippians affection. In the Greek, the word affection actually means bowels. 
slightly odd, I know, where is she going with this? Uh, but bowels at the time were believed to be the seat. Oh, they didn't really know what bowels were, I don't think. So it was probably all of the organs, the internal organs. Um, but it was believed to be the seat of the most passionate emotions, the most tender emotions. Um, and that's the word that's used. So the idea here is that at the very depths of who God is, is a deep longing and affection for us. So God is sweeter and more tender and more affectionate towards us than we often give him credit for. And just in thinking about how we might try and grasp uh, what it means for God to be more affectionate than we realise, I just thought I'd think of a couple of stories, one of which was a friend of mine a number of years ago uh, went through a really horrible breakup and she was completely devastated. Um, she was she was grieving, really. She was in bed for weeks and was crying every day. And a group of friends, um, we would go around there and pray with her. But we got to the point when we were really worried and we didn't know what to do and made this decision that we would show her affection. And so we had her round and we decided that we were going to give her hand massages and we were going to wash her feet and we were going to give her foot massages and we were going to give her a facial. There was At one point, there was like a woman on each limb. Um, and I remembered it because it was so unusual, even for me as a, as a close friend, to be that intimate with somebody. And um, and but I noticed it. It really lifted her. It really made a difference. And sometimes a uh, unusual situation requires an unusual amount of affection. There is more that we have to give. And there's more that God has to give. And I was talking to my mum this week uh, because unsurprisingly, I said I said to her, mum, I'm not sure my Manny Peddy story is going to do it for everybody. Um, I don't want to put men in a box altogether, but I'm pretty sure most men aren't going to identify with that. And she told me about a story from when she was working uh, under the last Labour government. Uh, she used to be a careers advisor for neat young people. So young people who were not in education, employment or training. And often they weren't in employment because of a trauma, uh, perhaps an attachment disorder or um, teenage pregnancy or something like that. And this lad came to see her who was 18 and he told her uh, something of his story which was that a year before he'd been broken up with and he was really devastated. And as a result, he stopped trying at school. Um, and he also, at the time when all of his friends were applying for university or for apprenticeships or FE colleges, he just didn't bother. He was really down. And then when it came round to exams, he obviously didn't do very well in his exams and he got his results and even if he had applied for the thing that he had wanted to do, he wouldn't have got in anyway. So he was confronted with this idea that he'd lost effectively a year of his life and he was very, very low. And a friend of his rang and obviously got the impression that this guy was close to feeling suicidal. And so the friend rang all of the other friends, these other mates, and this group of lads went round to his house and this guy let them in. But little did he know what was about to happen because they then refused to leave. They refused to leave 
until this guy told his parents how he was feeling. And I don't know, I mean, I don't know what it's like to be an 18-year-old lad, but I can imagine that was probably something he'd not yet thought of. But obviously these friends, also teenage lads, knew that the parents were the only ones really who were going to make sure that he got the help that he needed. And it just seemed to me like this amazing picture of these all these lads uniting and thinking, what do we what do we do? And they go a bit extra and they just say, do you know what? We're not going anywhere. And this guy, obviously, by the time he saw my mum, he was on his way out of this hole. But he attributed it, the turnaround to that moment. And he said, I never knew how much they cared. I never knew how much they cared. Isn't that amazing? An amazing picture of affection, actually, how affection changes destinies. So when we are now about to we're thinking about what's affection, but also why is it important? It's important because it changes things. It changes things. And it doesn't always look like physical affection. It can just be being there. But it's really important. God is more affectionate than we realise. So why does it matter? It matters internally for reasons I've just described. Um, None of us will have had a perfect example of parental affection when we're growing up. Um, But some of us, some of you especially, may have been starved of affection. And some may have experienced the opposite. You might have been coddled by affection. And so sometimes this idea that God is affectionate can make us cringe a bit. It's like, oh, it's horrible. Um, and that's and that can mean that can indicate that that's because there's something deep within you that's just like, I've not had a good experience of that in the past. I don't want that. And if that sounds familiar, you're not alone. Um, but also just know that there is a right and genuine experience, a tangible experience of the affection of God that has the power to heal us and quite dramatically and quite dramatically change our destiny. So there's an internal reason. There's also an outward reason. And it was great to hear Jenny's um, uh, three by three video just now, because it's effectively that it is that a revelation of the love of God causes us to overflow with affection to others. And Paul demonstrates that as well to us in his passage. We want to do good. We want to make godly decisions. So how do we receive it then? How do we receive this affection from God? Well, it really blesses me that Paul's response is to pray for it, because that says to me that it is something we receive as a grace from God. So the burden is on him to deliver it to us. But there are two things that are required of us. We need to want it and we need to position ourselves to receive it. We need to want it and we need to position ourselves to receive it. God is not going to force his affection on us. He isn't. He's not going to coddle us. But there's so much available to us if we want it and if we position ourselves to receive it. Given that we're all different and I'm sure God would express his affection for us all in different ways, therefore, why not just ask God? Well, firstly, I suppose, ask yourself whether you do want it. And if not, why not? And 
uh, perhaps do some exploring with him. But also then, how could I best position myself to receive the affection of God? I was really encouraged this week that Carol Jackman uh, sent in a testimony about one way to position yourself in a slightly different way to receive um, the affection of God and um, to really experience his presence. So in a second, we're going to watch a short video from Carol. Just to say, Carol has been a leader at OCC for a long time and is very much a mother among us. And I've really appreciated about Carol that she's on the one hand, extremely humble and gentle and listens before she speaks often. And on the other hand, is just razor sharp in the spirit, um, has such discernment and wisdom to share. And I'm sure many of you will have experienced that and uh, how helpful that has been. And I just want to say she has a great deal of affection for us. That's the reason why she's recorded this video. So let's watch it now and uh, let it do us good. Over to you, Carol. At the beginning of the year, I felt God was speaking to me about pursuing his presence and learning to sit with God and enjoy his presence. And at the beginning, I wasn't quite sure what that meant and how I would do that. But I started to just sit and be in his presence and just invite his presence and I didn't find that easy at first. I was used to rushing in, having a prayer time and praying about all the things that I was concerned about and all the people that I was worried about and then rushing out again. And I felt God say, no, it's about waiting, sitting, just being with me, being in my presence. And in the beginning, quite often I would say to God, God, what are we doing? And he would say, we're just sitting together. We're just enjoying each other. We're just enjoying each other's presence. And I learned to accept that and sit with God and allow his presence to cover me. Um, and those times became very precious to me. I also started to press into God's presence by worshipping him more. I would play YouTube songs and either just sit and listen or join in and press into worshipping God. And I realised that that was changing my perspective, that I was no longer focusing on problems, issues, things that had to be sorted out or organised. I was focusing on who God was and that completely changed my perspective and changed how I was seeing things and started to change how I felt about things. Um, about four or five weeks ago, I suddenly became ill. I believe that I had the coronavirus and I was quite unwell for uh, nine or ten days, such that I was in bed a lot of the time. I was alone in my bedroom for 23 out of 24 hours in a day, basically, and I was isolated. But during that time, I was able to spend a lot of time in God's presence. And I feel like the, the previous weeks and months had helped me to practice being in God's presence. And therefore, 
it was quite easy to come into God's presence. I listened to worship songs and um, I really feel that God sustained me and helped me through that time. So my encouragement to you this morning is to press into God's presence, to sit with him and allow him to just be with you and cover you with his presence. Great. Thank you so much, Carol, for recording that for us. I just was so encouraged by it and really inspired um, because I think I've tried that sort of thing before and sort of thought, oh, what's going on here? And it was really encouraging to hear that you also had that moment, but you kept going and have really seen the fruit of it. Um, So it might be that you could start as Carol did and just simply start to enjoy and take pleasure in the fact of God's presence with you and you could also ask him to tell you just simply tell you how he feels about you I know we're all different but there were a couple of things I just wanted the very small things that I wanted to to say one was um try not to start um your prayer time by apologizing Sometimes we can just apologise or make or make negative comments about ourselves in our prayers. And I, I do that a lot and I hadn't even realised that I did it. And actually, that really matters because our God is longing for us. And we forget that when we are negative about ourselves. Um, and the second thing is just that I find smiling helps, you know, Uh, Sometimes when we pray, we can look a little bit constipated, can't we? Um, And smiling changes the atmosphere of our prayers. Smiling says both of us want to be here, doesn't it? So it's just a small thing. But given I've already said this is a gift from God, I'm going to finish now by praying for us for a spiritual impartation of his love and affection. So let's pray together. Thank you, God. Loving God, thank you so much that you are a God who all those many, many years ago set his affection on us. We are so grateful that you chose to attach yourself to us, that you even long for us with a deep and tender emotion. And just as Paul prayed thousands of years ago, I want to pray that you would enable us to go deeper and deeper into your love. And particularly, God, we want to actually have a tangible experience of your affection for us. And for those of us, Lord God, who are perhaps starved of affection or who have been coddled by it we invite your grace and we claim your gentle gradual healing as you express your right affection and we know that so much good as well can come from a revelation of your love and so we pray Lord God that you would show us how we can position ourselves to receive your love and overflow with it to others In your name, Jesus. Amen.